Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have a Bible, turn it to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. We're going to be continuing on and wrapping up our series that we've called Go the Distance, and I'm actually going to give you two sermons in one. They're going to be two short sermons, but it's going to be two sermons. The first sermon is this. You have to start with discipline. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got to start with discipline. Before you go the distance, you have to start with discipline. I, um, I know what it's like to eat healthy, even though I don't, I don't do it very often anymore. I know what it's like to eat healthy, and I know the feeling it gives me. Uh, I rest better at night. I have more energy during the day. My attitude and my mood is better. So I know and I understand the benefits of eating properly, but the problem is the discipline to start. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? With the things of God, it, it really can be very similar because we can experience the goodness of God and what it's like to live in his presence and the joy and the peace that we get from being in the presence of God. We, we know the truth, in other words. The difficult part is disciplining ourselves to stay in his presence. But if we can ever get there where we live and we abide and we dwell in the presence of God, then we can continually experience the goodness of God, his peace, his love, his favor, and it always increases. Turn to the person next to you and say, it always increases. So that's the first sermon today, is if you're going to go the distance, you have to start with discipline. There always has to be a starting point, but you have to discipline yourself to start, and then you have to have the endurance to carry through. And the sermon that we want to close out with today is finishing with focus, because that's how you bring it to completion. You have to remain focused. How many of you know your life will go in the direction of your focus? Whatever you look at is where you're going to go. If you think about something long enough, if you dwell on something long enough, eventually you will step into it. Uh, Ladies, if there's something that you want to purchase and you think about it long enough and you surf the web long enough, your, your finger takes over your body and you just, you click. It's, it's an impulse. You can't help it. Your, your, finger, your, your, your finger just clicks the, the buy now button. And, and I don't know about you, but my house is like, you know, the Amazon man. We're on a first name basis. Like he's joining us for Christmas this year, you know, because he's always at my house delivering something. Why? Because if you think about something long enough, you will step into it and that can work to your benefit and your favor, or that can work against you. So, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, starting in verse 16, the apostle Paul says, so we do not lose heart. For though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Turn the person next to you and say, day by day. For this light momentary affliction, I love that. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. There's nothing that you can experience now that can compare to the goodness of what God has already prepared 
for you. As we look not to the things that are seen, that's key. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. That means they're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. That's so good. I've got to take some time with this this morning. He says, so we do not lose heart. As as believers, we, we don't lose heart. We don't give up. Why? Because of hopeful expectation. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is where King David says, I would have lost heart. It means I would have given up. I don't know if you've ever been to that place in life where, where you're like, you know what? This may be the thing that gets me. This, this may be it for me. I may give up right here, right now. David is there in his life. I have been there in my life where, where the stress and the pressure and all the things that are going on around me is just like, man, I just want to throw my hands up and walk away. He says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord right here, right now in the land of the living. I've got hopeful expectation that where I am, this is not it. There is something better. Turn to the person next to you and say, there is something better. For though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So there's two things happening right here. First, he's saying our outer self is wasting away. In other words, this vehicle of flesh is wearing out. The older you get, the more physical pain you experience. And sometimes it's like a new pain every day. You know, it's like I understand being sore you know, if I climbed a mountain or I ran or I did some kind of physical activity yesterday, but I wake up this morning and I'm sore and all I did yesterday was sit on a couch. Why? Because this outer self, somebody say the outer self. Are you with me this morning? The outer self is wasting away, which means every day that you live, you are one day closer to your final destination. Let that sink in for a moment. Every day that you live, you are one day closer to your final destination. And for the unbeliever, that means what they experience right here, right now in this life is as good as it gets. There is nothing better. What you experience right now, if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, what you experience right now is as close to heaven as you will ever get. But for the believer... Although our outer self is wasting away, although we're growing older too. How many of you know age is no respecter of persons? We all get there. Things start sagging. Things start changing. You know, hair starts falling out. Some of it starts turning gray. Things that were up here are now down here. Because we're, we, our outer self is wasting away as well. But our inner man. Our inner self is being renewed day by day, which means what we experience here right now is as worse as it will ever get for us. That's really, really good news. 
That that means as good as your life may be right now, this is the worst it can get compared to what God has for your future, which produces the hope for verse 17, which says, for this light momentary affliction. <laughs> the Apostle Paul's writing this. This guy has been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been thrown in prison. And he says, this light momentary affliction is actually preparing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Think about that. Think about that. So, so the key to enduring the moment, get this, the key to enduring the moment of affliction is understanding, first off, is temporary. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's temporary. temporary. It doesn't matter what you are going through, it is temporary. A famous statement that most of us know is, this too shall what? Pass. Sometimes we forget that, but it's true. This too shall pass. Life continues to move forward, and everything you experience is temporary. That's the first thing you got to know if you're going to make it through the moment of affliction, that this is temporary. The second thing is, there's something better in my future. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's something better in your future. That's hopeful expectation. That's hopeful expectation that there is something better for me. There is something new for me. There is something exciting for me. These are the type of things that I have to hold on to in my life so that I don't give up and go insane, so that I don't go crazy when the pressure starts squeezing me, I have to remind myself that this too shall pass. It is absolutely 100% temporary, and the things that God has before me is better than the things that are behind me or the things I am experiencing right now. Verse 18, as we look, not to the things that are seen. but to the unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, temporary. They pass. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Somebody say eternal. eternal. So we can either fix our focus on what is seen, or we have the choice to fix our focus on that which is unseen. If our focus remains only on what we can see going on around us, then that's going to produce worry, fear, and anxiety. And if you've been asleep for the past decade, that's what the world thrives on. Your worry, your fear, your anxiety, and your panic. That comes from focusing on what you can see in the natural. But if you can learn to shift your focus to the things that are unseen, that means the things of the Spirit, the things of God, then that will produce life and peace and joy and hope. And the choice is yours. Turn to the person next to you and say, the choice is yours. So one perspective, Chris, will say this is as good as it gets. What I have right now 
is as good as it gets. The other perspective will say, God's got something better for me. If I'm focusing on what's seen, then I'll say this that I'm going through is a life sentence. I'm going to be confined here for the rest of my life. But if I'll focus on the unseen, what God is working in the unseen for me, then I'll say this that I'm going through is just a season. Somebody needs to hold on to that word today, that what you are facing is not a life sentence. It is just a season. As painful as it may be, this is only a season. There is something better for you. Somebody say better. better. Say it like you mean it. Say better. better. So is it a sentence, life sentence or is it just a season? One perspective will only see problems. If I'm dealing with my natural senses and what I can observe, I will always find the problem. I will always find the obstacle in my way. But when I deal in the unseen realm, I don't see the obstacle, I see an opportunity because every obstacle that comes in my way is an opportunity to go to a new level. See, pressure is not a bad thing. Pressure is only bad when you give into the pressure, but if you'll learn to continue to push, that's where strength comes from. Years ago, I would do some weight training. And the guy that I would work out with, he progressively would put weight on me that he knew that I could not handle for the moment. The reason he would do that is because he wanted me to struggle. He wanted me to press. He wanted me to push because in my resistance came my strength. This light momentary affliction is actually producing something for me. The trials that you go through are actually producing something for you. That's why the book of James says you can have joy in trials. It's not that the, the trial's enjoyable. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't find trials enjoyable. So that's not what James is saying. James isn't saying like, hey, the trials that you go through, they'll, they'll be really enjoyable. Get a Coke and popcorn. Sit back, relax. You know, no, he's not saying that. He's saying you can find joy in it because I know every time the enemy tries to push against me in the spirit, I'm being renewed. I'm getting stronger. I am more than a conqueror. I am moving forward, not behind. I am above, not beneath. The head, not the tail. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? So one perspective is going to see the obstacle. But the other perspective is going to see the opportunity. God, where are you in this? What can I learn from this moment? What can I glean from this moment? Did you know you can glean from every season? Are you with me this morning? You can glean from every season of your life, good and bad. There's something I can gather. There's something I can learn. There's something I can equip myself with to move forward. The reason so many people get stuck in their life and they never really press into anything better is because they constantly see the obstacle, they give into the pressure, and they just say, this is as good as it gets for me. Faith doesn't work that way. Faith sees beyond. Somebody say beyond. Faith does not focus on where you are. Faith focuses on where you are headed. And if I can see where I am going, I get the endurance to press through. Last week, I talked about Israel going into the land that God had promised them. They sent out 12 spies to spy out this land, right? 
Well, when the spies go in to see the goodness of the land that God has promised them, all they focus on were the giants in the land. And so when they come back to report to Israel what they saw, instead of building a vision for their future, they focus on the giants. They talk about how big the giants are. They talk about how great the giants are. They talk about how the giants are going to kill them and destroy them and snuff them out. And it causes them to wander around in the wilderness until that generation dies off. The truth is, there were giants there. But how many of you know God is bigger than every giant that you will ever face? And if God is for me, who can be against me? And so faith says, I'm not ignoring the giant. I'm not ignoring the problem. See, sometimes we, we, we mess up faith when we just act like it's not there, like I got a headache. No, I don't have a headache. That's not faith. Faith understands there's a headache there, but it understands that there's a God that can deal with the headache. Faith knows that there are giants and obstacles, but it says, my God is bigger, and if God is for me, who can be against me? Are you seeing that? So what are you looking at? What are you focused on? Ask the person next to you, say, what are you focused on? What really spurred this, this sermon idea on a few weeks ago for me was the perspective of, is this as good as it gets? Like, like uh, it, are my best days behind me? That's what I started thinking about. Are my best days behind me, or does God have an exciting future for me? And that's really where I started digging in my heels on this perspective of what I'm focusing on. Because several years ago, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I've been able to experience a lot of amazing things in my life that I'm very grateful for. And I was a part of a ministry back in the 1900s. It started in the 1900s. And it took off, it exploded. And, you know, we would see a thousand teenagers there. We were on television three times a week. Newspaper articles were written about us. We were recording CDs. Books were written from that ministry. Uh, we were invited to go all over the place. I mean, just amazing things. It was a really, really fun, amazing time in my life. And a few years after that season, somebody said to me, they said this. They said, you didn't know it then, but those were the greatest days of your life. And I just don't choose to believe that way. I don't choose to think that way. I choose to believe that God's got an exciting future for me. And although I've had some amazing things behind me, I also believe there are some amazing things in front of me. And I believe, according to Scripture, that goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. I believe, according to Scripture, that the blessings of God are chasing me down and they're going to overtake me. Does that make sense to you? That means the blessings of God are pursuing me in such a way that no matter how fast I run, they are going to overtake me. It's going to catch me. It's going to overtake me. And that's what I choose to believe. I choose to believe that this is not it for me. This is not it for you. There is better. Focus on the better because that produces hope. Somebody say hope. Too many people waste their life because they don't see anything better. 
they, they waste even the enjoyment of what could be right now because they're so bitter over not having what they used to have. Listen, life changes, seasons change. Like, I don't do all the things that I used to do 20 years ago in that time period of my life. I don't do those things, but that doesn't mean that my now and my future can't be just as good, if not better. So I'm not gonna get stuck. Some of us get stuck because we're trying to relive our past. We call it the glory days. I used to throw 400 yards. <laughs> a man told my dad one time, he said, uh, I shot a deer from 300 miles away. <laughs> one of the gentlemen standing near him said, uh, did he get him with a heat-seeking missile? He meant to say 300 yards. <laughs> he said 300 miles. But we're so looking in our past that we can't discover our future. How many of you in here have ever driven a car? If you get on I-75 today and all you do is stare at your rearview mirror, what's going to happen? Okay, so now think about your life. We so dwell on what was or the woulda, coulda, shouldas. How many of you ever experienced the woulda, coulda, shouldas? Well, here's, here's some news for you. You didn't. <laughs> so get over it. Stop living there. Stop living in the past and set your focus on the future that God has for you. Somebody say hope. That's, that's the key to this message today is hope. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. This is a very popular verse. God is telling Israel I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. He is saying this to a people that are in captivity because of their bad decisions. I would imagine in their mind, they're looking back on their history and all that God had done for them, it would be easy for them to say, the goodness is in our rearview mirror. But God is letting them know, even though you're going through this and you've actually put yourself there, how many of you know a lot of times we put ourselves in the position we're in? We want to blame others. We want to, God, why? Because you wouldn't put the bacon down, your heart shutting down on you, you know? <laughs> and so God's telling them, as bad as this is right now, he tells them, you need to keep on, you need to move forward with life. That's essentially, if you read it in context, he's saying you need to move on with life because I've got a plan for you plans for your good, not for your evil, to give you a future and a hope. You have a future and you have a hope. That's what I choose to believe. That's what I choose to hold on to. If I want to go the distance, I have to have hope. This is essential to your life. Hope is essential, hopeful expectation. It's what I focus on when everything around me seems to be falling apart. If you like points in a sermon, here's something that would resemble one. 
Hope is an anchor. Turn to the person next to you and say, hope is an anchor. If you've ever anchored a boat, you know the purpose of that anchor is to keep the boat in position when the wake comes. That's what hope does for us. Because storms will come. Trials will come. Pain will come. But my hope keeps me anchored. Because I'm not looking at what is seen. But I'm looking to the unseen. Paul, who is writing this in 2 Corinthians, there's a time where he and Silas are in prison because of their faith. And this isn't like the prisons nowadays where you get yard time and HBO. These are dark, wet, smelly, uncomfortable dungeons. And the Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas begin to worship. They begin to praise. Why? Because they had an anchor for their soul. They knew that this pain will pass. This is just a moment. This is just a season. And what God has for me is so much better. Hope anchors. So the person next to you say, hope anchors. Hope looks beyond. Hope looks beyond. When I was a kid, my dad told me something that I hold on to, the, to this day. He said to me one time, we were on a boat out in the Gulf of Mexico, and he pushed me over, said, sink or swim, and he left. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he said, son, you have to keep your eyes on the horizon. Because what happens is the boat will have a tendency to rock. And if you do not keep your eyes on the horizon, which is fixed and does not change, then you may get sick. How many of you have ever experienced seasickness before? It's miserable. I mean, I've gone down into like the cabin of the boat where you can't see anything and it's rocking and it's hot and you get this nauseating feeling. It's terrible. But if you'll step out, if you'll take yourself out of that position and look beyond at the horizon, something fixed, something that does not change, it steadies your life. Hope looks beyond the storm. Hope looks beyond the situation that you're in. Watch what Hebrews, the 12th chapter says, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those are the people that have gone before us. Those are the saints that have lived this life, experienced this life, been through what you've been through, and made it to the other side. It's saying since we have this great cloud of witnesses as a reminder, those that are standing around us cheering us on saying, hey, you can make it, it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. How do we endure the race? Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, he is your hope. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. You cannot even begin to imagine the pain and suffering that Jesus Christ went through. 
not just emotional pain of his friends walking away from him, not just the emotional abuse, abuse of people he loved turning their back on him, mocking him, spitting on him, but he has the physical abuse of enduring the suffering, hanging on the cross. He has the mental abuse of knowing he can end it like that. He had a tremendous amount of suffering, yet he endured. How? For the joy that was set before him. He didn't focus on the moment. He focused on what God was doing in him and through him for our benefit. If you, if you want to endure, if you want to go the distance, you have to look, you learn to look beyond this. For better or worse, you have to learn to look beyond this. Somebody say hope looks beyond. The final thing that hope does is hope gives my faith something to hold on to. This is important. Without faith, it's impossible to bring the things of God into your reality. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the currency of heaven. You have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The reward is my hope. Stay with me. The reward is my hope. My hope is that if I will endure, if I will stand, I will receive the good things that God has for me. Now, if you go to the beginning of that chapter where it talks about faith, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So watch this. Faith works now for what I'm hoping for. Are you with me so far, class? Okay. So faith works where? Now for what I am what? Hoping for. Faith is now. Hope is in the future. The problem is if there's nothing to hope for, there's nothing to wrap my faith around. So now my faith is rendered useless. Are you seeing how important your hope is? The hope for better. The hope that God is not a man that he should lie. That he will do exactly what he said. The hope that goodness and mercy will follow me. The hope that I can be blessed and prosper in every season of my life. That's what the word says. So that's what I connect my hope to. And now that I've got a hope for my future, I can wrap my faith around it. It gives me something to hold on to. Even when I can't see better, I've got a hope for better, and I wrap my faith around it. Hear what I'm saying. You can lose a lot of things in life. You can lose relationships. You can lose jobs. You can lose money. Put it in the blank. There's all kinds of things that you can lose in your life. But you can never afford to lose hope. You can never afford to give up. It is so sad to me 
when I see people or hear people that are just through with everything. They have no hope. They live in despair. That breaks my heart because I know that they are a child of the living God. And if they will pursue him and receive him, he can take where they are and turn it around. But it's not enough for me to believe it for you. You have to believe it for yourself. One of the most challenging things as a pastor is trying to push a revelation into you. Does that make sense? Because I know how easy it is for you to come in, you sing your songs, you hear a few words, you laugh at how funny I am because I'm hilarious, and then you go home and it's like, what would you talk about? I have no idea. That's a problem. Because according to Scripture, this is the word of life. I've got to learn how to take that word of life and dwell on that word of life and feed on that word of life and allow it to grow me so that it becomes a part of me and it gives me a firm foundation to stand on and something to build my life upon. See, when it comes to me, all I can do, all I can do is cast out the seed. But the harvest is completely up to you. I've got to worry about the condition of my own heart. I've got to make sure that I'm reminding myself of the things that God is saying. Because there's a lot of things I can lose in life. And some of you have experienced great loss. And there are a lot of things that you can lose, but you can never lose your hope. Would you stand with me? Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I'm asking today, Lord, that you would begin to infuse every single person in this place with hope. Lord, your word says that though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so, God, that's what I choose to lean into in this moment is that every day I am being renewed. I am being made new. I am being taken to a new level. And, God, according to your word, you're a God of increase. You're a God of fruitfulness. You're a God of multiplication. So today, Father, I wrap my faith around the hope of moving forward, moving beyond this momentary place, this momentary season, and holding on to the eternal weight of glory that is before me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you are right now in this moment going through something, Whatever it may be, I want to come into agreement with you. And I'm just going to ask that you would lay your hand over your heart. And we're going to pray together. And we're going to believe that hope would flood your life. How many of you believe that hope can flood your life? How many of you believe that your life can be led by the unseen 
more than the same. I've seen it too many times. I've seen it too many times to not have hope. I've seen God show up too many times to not believe. Father, for every person who's reaching out to you right now in faith, I'm asking that you would help them through this season, God. I'm asking that you would give them the strength and the wisdom they need. Father, I'm asking that you would calm the storm within and allow them to find rest. God, even if the storm around us does not cease, we can rest in the boat knowing that you are with us, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, that you comfort us in the darkest valleys of our life. And so, God, we ask for your help. And for those of you who have given up on life, maybe you're watching online, you've given up on life. You've bought into the lie that your greatest days are behind you. I'm believing that right now God's going to begin to turn things around for you. You're going to begin to dream again. You're going to begin to see again. You're going to begin to move again. You're going to get started. Where you are, with what you have, you're going to get started right now. Moving forward in your life. God, I'm asking that you would just spark a flame on the inside of that individual. God, give them a passion that goes beyond any passion that they've ever had. God, allow them to have a sense of purpose, knowing that you created them for a reason, that they are not here by accident. And as long as we are alive, you've still got something for us. So God, I thank you for touching every heart and every life. I thank you for going with us throughout this week. Father, I thank you for your hand that watches over us. I thank you for protecting us. I thank you for bringing healing to us. In Jesus' name. And everyone would say, amen.